We break down the top 10 WHLers of the 2024 NHL Draft, along with some honorable mentions who just missed the cut on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. Uh, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down the top uh, ten, the top 10 WHLers of the 2024 NHL Draft, along with three honorable mentions who just missed the cut. It's a tight gap, personally, between 10 and like 15 um, but we'll, we'll break that down. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, known by Sebastian High, and we'll get this done right away for you. Before we get into that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $200 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to rate and review. It helps the channel out a lot. And make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So let's start with the honorable mentions, Sebastian. Who do you got there as your three honorable mentions outside the top 10? I've got three big boys here uh, going all sides with my HMs here. So starting off with Charlie Ellick, who had a very good performance at the top prospects game uh and and got me to, to take a closer look at him yesterday uh in terms mm -hmm. of his, his whl tape and i thought it was quite solid uh he's very dependable he's consistent like you know what you're getting with charlie alec he's not going to go end-to-end -end solo rushing but he's very quite an effect he's quite an effective like transition defender i like the way yeah. he's able to use his reach to, 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 to close gaps and and to take up a lot of space defensively and he's been quite interesting in, in in my passing viewing so far this season and uh continuing the trend with uh very big players with very long reaches uh, we have adam yeko uh, as well who's been quite a staple in the first round rankings in terms of like uh, NHL essential scouting and, and overall NHL affiliated rankings apart from Bob McKenzie's, uh, which I think was a bit perplexing to us both from what we've seen of, uh, of Yeko, which has been solid, but, 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 but far from spectacular. Like he's, he's a solid complimentary right winger. Uh, I, like the way that he's able to, to use his physicality and size and reach to kind of protect possession to, 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 achieve possession to kind of like win, win board battles, but also uh, mm -hmm. I, I've seen him with, with get some nice takeaways in terms of like uh, on the back check and using his reach to really disrupt play in that facet. Uh, yeah. But he, he's very much a bread and butter big winger. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that he's a bit limited in terms of like dynamism or playmaking and, or, and handling ability, which will yeah. probably keep him from being an impactful like top end of the lineup type of player but there's definitely some some like uh some fourth line and third line upside here with with the size and with the the physical tool specifically which yeah. i like and uh lastly i've got a player that i don't think you were quite able to squeeze into your list uh but i i was able to squeeze into mine in uh julius mietinen of the everett silver tips who's a player that has been all over my radar in the last like a week uh since i i, I I stumbled across him in a passing viewing when I was watching Terrence Smith, who was a yeah. teammate of his, and uh, I quite like him. Like he's a decent goal scorer. The the analytics are are rough. He's not he's not necessarily a high end possession winger just yet, 
But there's an array of tools that I find quite interesting. He's really quite quick when he gets some speed going. He, I think he was the fastest player in just the the, the straight-on sprint of uh, in the CHL Top Prospects game. Uh, he's quite big. He's at, at six foot three, 207 pounds. He's really good around the net front, quite capable at tipping pucks and getting to rebounds quickly and stopping at the net front. He has a variety of, of pro-level habits that I find quite impressive. And he's on a real tear recently with yeah. eight goals and 16 points in his last 10 games. So I thought he, I've seen enough from him to, to get him in, into my slot here as an HM. But who do you have for your HMs? Yeah, I mean, Julius Smithson is a player who was who I ranked uh, in my top 64. Is actually the 64th player in my rankings so he's technically ranked um but that still leaves him outside of my honorable mentions that's how good this whl class is uh we'll start off with the first i mean the first two that you mentioned um uh, charlie ellick and adam yeko are exactly the first two honorable mentions on my list there we go um and both of them are ranked i have adam yeko let me check adam yeko at 48 and charlie ellick at 49 um in my honorable mentions and they're both really good players. Like you mentioned, I think, I think Yeko has been playing mostly at the wing uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the main issue with Yeko is just skating. It's going to hold him back a lot, but we're talking about a six foot five, 200 pound winger. Um, usually you have trouble getting around at that age, at that size. Um, but it's also just, I, I don't think he really thinks the game at an advanced level is pretty straightforward in his mindset um, in terms of hockey sense. And kind of the, kind of the same goes for Charlie Ellick, except Ellick I'd say is a better skater. Definitely. Um, yeah covers a lot of ice um, and, and just the range that he's able to cover in a quick, uh, in, a, in, a, in a relatively small amount of time um, on defense is fairly good, but I don't really see the offensive instincts beyond, you know, timing his shots well from the point. So I'm still not sold on Alec. I've seen him in the first round, um, but another player I have who's actually a, a, a South African citizen, uh, Harrison Brunicki, another big right-handed defenseman. I think he's more mobile than Alec. Um, he's definitely got a bit more pop to his edge work and his skating. Um, and he's got a, a very interesting tool bag where he's able to, to stick handle really well from the point as well. I mean, I've seen him go to his backhand really comfortably and make plays from his backhand, which you rarely see from draft eligible defensemen. Um, and he's been fairly good for Kamloops, just not overwhelming enough to kind of, um, to kind of leapfrog those two. For me, Brunicki is 55th overall. Um, and is the first player of the final tier of my top, top 64, I'd say. So, um, you know, he, he's still in the conversation, but still definitely an honorable mention. And Julius Schmettinen is in the same tier as Brunicki, but 10 spots lower. I'm still not really sold on him either. Um, all right, so let's get into the top 10 now. Uh, I think we can start at 10th overall here. And uh, my player is Clark, Clark Clark Caswell. I think he's been really, really good. And Mine too. <laughs> perfect. Fantastic. Yeah. Great defensive player. Really works well in transition. Um, he's a bit uh, a bit frail, I would say. He's pretty easy to, to kind of knock off the puck. Uh, and he's, there's a reason he's literally one spot above Adam Yeko and Charlie Alec, which is why I said that this is kind of a, a tight range of players. Uh, but for me, Charlie Alec's defensive ability combined with his playmaking is a really good one-two punch of abilities. And I've seen some decent flashes of, of kind of really hard wristers, like surprisingly accurate wristers that he's been able to fool goaltenders with. So I think the offensive toolkit is pretty interesting. And he also has a fallback game as a kind of more defensive, um, undersized, but really good defensive kind of skating winger. So I, I think there's decent value there. But yeah, what's your assessment of him as well? Like, where do you, where do you stand on Clark Caswell's potential? 
I, I think it's quite similar to what, what you were just saying. Like, I think he's a solid bet for like a second or third round value come draft day. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what, what what makes him really fun in my eyes is 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 just like the offensive creativity too. Like, I, I, there's there's definitely an element of of creativity and dynamism that that is quite enjoyable in this player. But there's still a lot that has to kind of come together for that to project as being a potential dynamic player at the NHL level. Like there has to be, as you said, a lot of physicality has to come back that up. I think he has to really get a sturdier base to not be pushed off of pucks so easily. And yeah. to be a little bit more determined in terms of accessing the middle of the ice, he can be pushed to the perimeter in some of my viewings, which is something to note. But the skill level, the playmaking, the the quick processing and, and the desire to make an impact in all three zones is all very enjoyable and things that i value a lot from a scouting perspective and uh yeah yeah, he's he's definitely fun absolutely and we go to ninth overall um i've got miguel marquez who has been too (laughs) yeah i mean this is starting off great (laughs) but yeah miguel marquez is really interesting because he's been playing in a lesser lesser touted program in Lethbridge. It's not really going too well for them overall standings wise, but Marquez has been really good on, on, on this poor team. I mean, he's a player who loves to cut to the middle. Is a real poacher off the puck as well. Loves to find space. He loves to shoot in motion as well. Doesn't really stop his feet when catching pucks and making plays. And there's a decent gap between Caswell and Marquez for me. Now I have, I have Miguel Marquez, um, you know, just shy of the first round at 33rd overall. Um, so that tells you kind of how much I like this player. He's, like I said, really, really lethal um, below the dots. He's able to rifle the puck and can do it in multiple ways. So his goal-scoring ability is definitely going to be his bread and butter at the next level, but I've still, I've still seen decent enough flashes of playmaking and defensive ability that I'm not too worried about him translating. It's just he's not always there effort level-wise, and his team isn't really... I mean, he's not well-surrounded, so he's having to do a lot of heavy lifting offensively, and... Yeah, it's been good so far. Uh, but that wraps things up for our first segment. So we have the first <laughs> the first two of the top 10 um, just down pat, the exact same. Uh, we'll get into our second segment here and talk about the top eight and how we have these players ranked. We'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sundays are all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I personally always enjoy the the ads and, and, and the creativity behind them on Super Bowl day, but what I enjoy even more is going for a nice old single game parlay. Specifically for me, it's going to be nice and chill because my favorite team is not playing the Super Bowl as per usual, but I'll be able to relax and just enjoy the action a little bit more without being too anxious uh, for this special game. New customers, if they join today, will get $200 in free bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. All righty, so let's go through picks eight through five now in our top 10 breakdown of the best WHLers for the 2024 NHL draft. Um, the Western Hockey League's been really, really good in the last two years, and this year's no exception. There are a decent glut of really good players. So let's start at eighth overall. Um, who's your player? Carter Yakimchuk. Is that, that the same one that you have? No, I actually oh, might have we have, we have variants. We have a first so. difference. <laughs> All right, so that's fantastic. Finally. Talk me through why Carter Yakimchuk is your eighth guy. 
on the one hand, there were four guys that had to rank here that are entirely in the same glut of players for me. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've not gotten the same amount of WHL viewings this season that you've gotten. So, like, there's definitely a lot less room between these players from my perspective at this point in the draft cycle, which will hopefully uh, shift pretty soon uh, when I get another uh, round of viewings in. But sure. Carter Yakimchuk is a player that has a plethora of really exciting offensive tools. And I think he makes a lot of sense for teams in the late first round and even like late to mid first round, especially if you're looking for really toolsy right shot defensemen and you trust your development staff, he makes a ton of sense. He's a really strong puck handler. He's really aggressive. He's big. He can be strong. He has a wicked shot that he just spams, but the tool is there. He didn't need to still ha- learn how to fully use it to, for it to be very effective rather than just uh, a habit. But uh, he's fascinating. He makes mistakes. He tries things. He has a, a level of maybe not creativity, but a desire to try new things that I really appreciate, that, that, that I like a lot. But there's, there's still a lot of refinement that's really lacking in this game that I would like to see before I feel comfortable ranking him anywhere near my top 20. Yeah. But uh, the tools are really fun, and he's one that I'm going to be play, keeping a very close eye on for the rest of the draft cycle because with his toolkit, I could easily see him jump up into my top 20 if the habits refine and the overall projection becomes a little bit more cohesive uh, for, his, for his toolkit. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, he's not he's not far ahead of you. I mean, my my uh, eighth overall pick is going to be Tanner Howe uh, out of the 20 uh, of the 2024 class of the WHL prospects. Um, Tanner Howe is for me this year's Brendan Gallagher. He's very feisty, very aggressive on on four checks, um, loves to make make play inside contact, loves to drive the net and just bang goals in. Um, there's a reason he's the captain of the Regina Pats uh, as an 18 year old like he is very mature in his play style and he has this contagious level of energy and motor that just brings everyone up a notch when, you know, when he, when he goes into a corner, you know, head first uh, to win a board battle and does it against like a six foot three, six foot four defenseman that kind of pumps you up as your, as his teammate, it makes you want to put in more effort. Um, These types of players that have this mindset that have the mental element of the game down pat and have the effort level of an energy to go a whole game doing that specific thing. um, Those players, I think, are underrated in terms of their quality. Um, But I like Carter Yakimchuk a bit more than Tanner Howe. So I have Tanner Howe at 29th overall and Carter Yakimchuk has worked his way up to 25th overall in my rankings. So Yakimchuk is a player who... At the start of the year, I was really like I was having a hard time watching him because like he he gives you headaches. Like he's not an easy player to 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 enjoy scouting. Um, because I put myself in a coach's kind of uh in a coach's shoes for a second, and I mean I'm already investing in Rogaine. You know, like that's the kind of thing that he he makes it really difficult. Um, to to he he ramps up the play. That's what he does. Regardless what happens, he. He tries to bomb a puck up the ice. He tries to stick handle his way out of out of the offensive out of the defensive zone on the breakout and just carry it the whole way and kind of deke through opponents. Um, he spams shot from the blue line. Like he's always trying to to intensify play, which is I like my defenseman to have a bit more chess, but I like the tools and the mindset enough in combination that I think that he can still become a decent player. But there's a lot of refinement that's needed, and you need the right the right people in the right places in your development team to, to get the best out of Yakumchuk. But I think that overall, the upside is a bit more interesting with Yakumchuk. Um, and the downside is a bit worse, I'd say, than Tanner Howe's. Like Tanner Howe is definitely an NHLer. Um, 
but I still I still like enough what Yakumchuk brings to put him just a notch ahead of uh, Tanner Howe. They're in the same tier for me, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing Tanner Howe's not far ahead, right, for you? He's up at fifth, but again, it oh. is a really tight tier. It, it, it is it is for me a stylistic preference over the two other players I have behind him. Yeah. Uh, starting off with Ryder Ritchie at seven, um, who I liked a lot more in my early viewings of this of, of this draft cycle than than more recent ones. Like he's been injured since mid-December, so we haven't gotten viewings in the last one and a half months that are new. Yeah. But uh from 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 what I saw earlier on this season, the puck handling is is just so exceptional. Like he has difficulty catching pucks uh, on, on the hard passes, but when the puck is on a stick and he's in possession, there's a real fluidity with his motion. Like he he has like really flexible wrists, he's constantly getting the puck into areas that makes it really really difficult for defensemen to, to strip him of possession. Yeah. Uh, he's very good at, at protecting possession in a very like flary and, and fun way, uh, which, which makes him a lot of fun to watch, but it can be a little bit frustrating because there's uh, there can be a lack of substance to his plays uh, in that style where he's, yeah. it looks at times like he's just trying to do the, the pretty play rather than any effective play. And yeah. that's something that I've definitely noticed, but he's an August 3rd birthday. So he's very young for the draft class and understandably has a little bit more of a learning curve in terms of like more refined habits than a lot of the other WHLers that we're talking about here in this episode. Uh, so I can, I can totally understand why people still have them up in their top, like 10 top 15. Uh, but from what I've seen, there's a lot of things that scare me a little bit with this projection and yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how he looks when he comes back from injury, but for the time being is very much in that glut of players that I have ranked from the WHL between 20 and 30. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's kind of the same vein that I'm on with Ryder Ritchie at sixth overall um, among WHL prospects. So he's not, it's not far ahead of you. Um, I have some concerns with the details of his game, but overall I think that, you know, when, when he decides to scan, when he decides to check his surroundings and when he has the puck on his stick, you know, flat and in control, um, there are very few players that can do what Ryder Ritchie does. So I'm, I'm still I'm still torn on him, but he slipped down my rankings. And is now, I think, a 21st, um, 22nd, rather. Uh, and the, the fifth player in my rankings is actually the player I have at 21st, which is Tarek Parasak. Um, I'm guessing you have him at six overall, though, right? Indeed, I do. That's right. I mean, I just I have such a hard time not loving Tarek Parasak. For me, he's one of the smartest players in the draft. And makes decisions on a regular basis that just get you out of your seat. So I, I, I'm sold on the mindset. I just he's such he's such a bad skater that it's almost definitely yeah. going to limit him from being a top twenty pick. But he's just on the edge of it for me. And then the same tier that goes from sixteen to twenty two for me. Like he's in that conversation. I just if you can get him on a team that knows how to develop skating properly, I'm terrified of what Tarek Parasak could become because the smarts with the shot, with the playmaking, with the advanced anticipation of the game lethal i mean lethal but I'm, I'm guessing you have him at six right indeed i do but again it, it is such a tight tier i just had four names and i had to rank them in some order so yeah i knew i i wanted to, to add a little bit of of, of spice to my rankings because i i figured that parasac would kind of headline this tier players for you yeah. and uh much as i love the intelligence and the passing ability specifically which just stands out in every single viewing of mine yeah uh i i'm a I'm a fan of Tanner Howe. I, I like Tanner Howe. I, I went with him over him, uh, over Parasak, uh, not because I think that he's like in a tier above by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. what I love with Tanner Howe is just how projectable his role currently is. He's already yeah. a leader on his team, but he's playing a style of hockey that is going to make an impact 
against NHL competition. And of course, he has to refine a lot of his of his uh, of his habits and and his overall toolkit until he's there. He's not going to be a, a shoe in for an NHL role as a D plus one by any stretch of the imagination. But the intensity, the grit, the uh, the scoring ability from in tight, the, the ability to get a ton of elevation on pucks when he is right around the crease, the yeah. one-touch playmaking ability, which I think is quite underrated with him because he is a really solid and an intelligent player. And while the playmaking isn't perhaps full of flair, like you might see with guys like Ryder Ritchie or Tarek Parasek, it's really effective. He makes the simple plays, but he's able to find the, the important passes when he is in the high danger areas in the offensive zone. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, he's, he's far from the most like, uh, like, like fluid player in the world. He's not, he's not going to blow you away with skill and, and, and overall high level uh, abilities that project as like first line level but I'm a very big fan of how he projects as a middle six piece and a highly, highly versatile middle six piece at that. I think you can play in like any forward role. You just need him slot in. There's a lot of value in that. And I think that the the floor with him, as you mentioned earlier, is a lot higher than some other players in this tier. Makes sense for sure. Uh, but that wraps this up for a second segment. Now we'll get into the top four WHL prospects of the 2024 NHL draft right after these messages from our sponsors here at Locked On NHL Prospects. Alrighty, so let's close things off with the top four prospects of the 2024 NHL Drafts crop of WHL players. Uh, so let's get to it at fourth overall. I don't know how you stand on these two players that, that are at third or fourth, but I had a hard time separating them. Uh, but my fourth overall prospect in the tw- among WHLers for the 2024 NHL Draft is Andrew Basha, the first of two uh, Medicine Hat Tigers in this top four. Uh, and for me, just the epitome of pace. I just he just does everything at a high speed, and kind of reminds me a bit of Oliver Moore at times when I watch him. Like I think that just not just in terms of the overall playing style, but also just the skating technique, the skating style that he has. Both of them skate really fast uh, with really good edge work, but don't do it without effort. They're like they're like pushing it right and. I think that Basha's combination of, of skating and, and and playmaking ability can really work at the NHL level. I just, I'm not really sold on the shot being like a plus tool yet. Um, but where do you stand on Andrew Basha? Is he, is he also your fourth, fourth prospect or? I'm pretty sure we're going beat for beat here in the top four. It's, I don't think there's going to be a single difference in our rankings here. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have Basha as well at four. I've been, as you said, a massive fan of the pace. Like the, the overall ability and transition is a standout strength and, has really helped him be a tremendous compliment to Caden Lindstrom, who we're definitely going to be talking about a little bit later on in this segment. But uh, Basha's strength is really as a puck carrier with pace through the neutral zone, get into the offensive zone, and then look for options. And he's really been able to refine his playmaking ability as the season has progressed because he's been playing with a player of the caliber of Caden Lindstrom, which is certainly a good motivator uh, to, to work on your playmaking ability. And on a consistent basis. And uh, Basha is one of the older players in this draft class, or like not, not oldest, but he's, he's a November birthday. So he's definitely a lot more refined than, than other players in this tier, especially compared to like uh, uh, Ryder Ritchie, who stands out as, as quite raw as a high upside mm-hmm. WHLer. But with Andrew Basha, you're getting a player who just, as you said, relentless pace. He doesn't bring the same like defensive intelligence that Oliver Moore brings to the game 
or the comfort playing down the middle, which is certainly a big difference compared to the projection with Oliver Moore. Uh, and I think that the playmaking upside's a little bit less, um, like a bit less strong compared to Oliver Moore's, who I think was quite underrated in terms of his his playmaking intelligence last season. But yeah. uh, but he's a, he's a fascinating player. Like 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 Bash has been a like like solid uh, player in my in my um, like what 15 to 25 range all, all draft like ever since yeah. i got my first couple of viewings and and he is just red hot like uh well, like before before he went or not, he's back from injury of course nice it's good to see mm-hmm. uh but in, in his last 10 games he's been red hot, hot which includes like a break in those 10 games with his injury but he has only three goals in those 10 games but 19 points uh yeah. so i think I, i'm definitely with you uh in, in my viewings the the goal scoring hasn't been a massive massive strength but the playmaking ability has just been consistently growing and is certainly reasons for optimism for like potential top six upside long term absolutely and then at fourth overall we have tishiginla i think is going to be oh sorry yeah third overall we have tishiginla uh jerome mcginla's son and a really really good hockey player outside of that i mean he's not just like the son of a of a hall of famer he's an actual fantastic player when you watch him good he started off for me i mean i watched him last year with seattle and i saw a complimentary kind of you know bottom six grinder who can score some goals but you know once he moved to Kelowna and started playing with andrew crystal it was very clear that he not only has the hockey sense to keep up with andrew crystal but he also has an untapped amount of playmaking ability he's been finding crystal all over the ice he's making plays into areas for him to skate into um the two of them have been combining for really really good results in Kelowna overall and tishigunla has definitely kind of separated himself uh from the pack for me here at third um even as much as i like andrew basha and i much as i think there's still a, a reasonable amount of closeness between the two again is just overall offensive versatility combined with his hockey sense is going to be lethal at the next level i wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked up by calgary at like 10th overall or 9th overall or something like that if they stay in this range um it would be a really good fit uh, but then we move to uh, second overall, and this is where it gets interesting at one or two because there's a lot of debate all over the scouting sphere between this. Guys who follow the WHL religiously um, have Berkeley Catton over Caden Lindstrom, um, and there's other other guys that I've talked to that also follow the WHL religiously that haven't flipped around. A lot of NHL teams, a lot of official rankings have Caden Lindstrom ahead of Berkeley Catton, and I think we're both on that page so far, right? I, th- I think... I think Lindstrom barely edges out Catton in this conversation. There are such tremendously different players that I can yeah. very much understand why it has been such a debate because it's far more in, in terms of, of like like philosophically uh, debating which which player you think is more valuable. Like, is it the yeah. insanely high octane dynamic uh, forward in Berkeley Catton, or is it the insanely well rounded and dominant center in in Caden uh, Lindstrom? And yeah. I think that the the confidence in 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 the positional projection with with Lindstrom plays a small role. I think the fact that he is such a versatile player in the offensive zone as a puck handler, a goal scorer, and a playmaker, whether he's on or off puck, he makes a consistent difference. You can rely on him to just dominate entire sequences in the offensive zone against junior competition, and he does it yeah. with seeming ease. Uh, there there's this ease to his game that I think that that has really entrenched him for me as a top WHLer. Like I, I haven't personally seen it as a massive argument with myself uh, in this draft cycle just yet. Like Caden Lindstrom is sitting at three on my personal board at the moment, but that, that he's been jumping between three and five for the last couple months. Whereas yeah. Berkeley captain is like very much still fighting his way into my top six, top seven conversation. 
just because it's really tight in that range. I think the middle of the top 10 in this draft class, there's a lot of value and a lot of very different styles that makes it interesting to rank because it, it is very much uh, philosophical, even more so than like last drafts, uh, draft year was. Like I think like last year, there's very much very clear like separation and tiers inside yeah. the top 10, which this year is a lot more fluid. And yeah. the Lindstrom and Catton debate is certainly part of that fluidity. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think both of them are versatile offensively. I think that Catton is also a very good playmaker, stick handler, and goal scorer. I just think that Lindstrom is so inside driven, so consistently yeah. looking to create advantages on the puck, um, and also has an, an insane amount of defensive value. Like, he's a really good defensive player. <laughs> It's extremely hard forechecker, extremely hard back checker, defensively aware, good positioning, good stick work. And you add on top of that the, the drastic size difference. I mean, Lindstrom has six inches on, on Berkeley Catton. Like, that's a big difference of size. And, um, you know, as much as I'm not sure how reliable the six foot five, 205 uh, evaluation is of Lindstrom, I still think that, like, you can see it on the ice. Like, these are two completely differently built players. Um, yeah. But on top of that, I think that Lindstrom has a skill set that reminds me a lot of Quentin Byfield. And Quentin Byfield took some time to reach his ceiling, but he's there now and it's looking really, really good. Um, Berkeley Cannon has a lot of comparables to me, but I, I see him very much more as a purely offensive, purely dynamic player. I don't think you're going to get yes. much out of him defensively. And overall, it's just, again, it's a philosophical difference about do you prefer the well-rounded player is going to get you between 70 and 85 points a, a year at, his, at in his prime? Or do you prefer the pure offensive dynamo that could get you 100, 110 points um, at, at a ceiling? You know, like it's just... And these we're talking obviously about ceilings, about pure potential, about everything going right. But like for me, Caden Lindstrom has just too many different um, possibilities in terms of where he ends up and what he ends up doing. Um, that it's really difficult to leave him out of you know the the top rank between those two guys. So I think we both agree on that. Caden Lindstrom, in our eyes, is the best prospect of the uh, WHL class of the 2024 NHL draft. Now this wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And make sure to make us your first listen of the day if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform. And please leave us a rate and review. Let us know what your thoughts are about the podcast. It helps the channel out a lot. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today to get all your news and updates about what's going on around sports. Make sure to tune in next week as we continue our prospects coverage for the month of February. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.